Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Fulbin. Over the first four years as a coach, I grew a successful financial coaching business to over 80K in annual revenue. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. As a tenured professor of entrepreneurship and a consultant, during the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. So welcome back to Financial Coaches Network podcast. Today, we are interviewing Ryan Roy. Uh, Ryan has a, uh, I think you would consider it a successful financial coaching business, working with a very, very particular type of client. Um, So I think this will be good to hear, you know, have people hear your journey toward that. And I'll have some we'll call them pointed questions that I think uh, a lot of people worry about when they're trying to make good decisions and they hear you should do this. And everyone sort of freaks out mentally about, no, if I do that, I'm going to fail. You did many of those things. And I Mm -hmm. I don't think you would consider them to be have been mistakes. I think it'll be good for uh, everyone to hear that as well. Hey, in the end of the day, you need to make the mistakes. You need to have the breakdowns in order to have the breakthroughs. But if you avoid having the breakdowns, you will never have the breakthroughs. Yeah. Um, So let's start off with how long have you been coaching? I kind of Uh, so yeah. So I've been uh, financial coaching for almost three years. Mm -hmm. Um, I started it in 2020. I uh, shut down my tattoo studio for COVID and I was had a four-month-old baby and I was like, all right, I'm going to make money online and I'm going to figure out how to become a financial coach. Um, but I've been in the coaching space like most of my life. I, I've done a lot of uh, seminars with Landmark Education, the Landmark Forum. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but um, I did some assisting uh, and coached in some of their programs. Uh, and that's more of a transformative life coaching, you know, so it wasn't money coaching or financial coaching, but, uh, but yeah, I started my financial coaching business, the artful dollar about, you know, March of 2020. And tell us a little bit about the artful dollar. Uh, the artful dollar. Well, uh, I was trying to just come up with, you know, names that reflected what I want to do, which is help artists with their money. And I also view money as an art form, like any art form. There's tools, there's uh, strategies, there's you know practical stuff, but there's also uh, the mindset and the mentality around the art that you're creating. And um, I've, I've been a big fan of Barry Tesler and the art of money for a long time. Uh, really great book. And, uh, and she just has been an ins- one of my inspirations for sure. And so that was taken. Uh, the art of money was taken. And I just kind of sat around with it for a while. And I was like, oh, and then something about, you know, the artful dodger and the dollar and it just clicked one day. And I was like, ooh, that's good. It just resonates, you know? And um, I started out like I, you know, I knew I could help tattoo artists because that's my background. I've been tattooing for 14 years and I own a tattoo studio in Brooklyn. Uh, but I really wanted to work with all artists. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I was like, let me first start out kind of, that was my niche was artists. Um, and then 
I, I will say that after a while working with a few different coaches uh, that helped me build my business, they were like, you need a niche down even smaller. That's too big of a niche. Yeah. And they're like, you need to just focus on speaking to your people who are tattooers. And I was like, you're right. I'm done. I'm doing it. And as soon as I did that, oh my God, it just, the message that I had just powerfully landed for my target audience in a way that it wasn't quite, it was there, but it wasn't really solid. And um, and now that I've built such a huge following in my very specific niche, we're starting to get a lot of interest from people outside of that niche. So you almost have to go small to go big in a way. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that that's, you know, we preach niche a lot, right? Yeah. And, you know, many people, you know, and, and I understand it, right? It, it's scary, the idea of really niching down, right? It's uh, weird that it's scary, but it is, it is scary. I, I, I was scared. Yeah. 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 And a lot of people, you know, they, and we see it in the, in the Facebook community, right? People making comments either directly or indirectly. You can see that that's their thinking, which is, well, if I go after such a small group of people, how am I ever going to get clients? You know, I, I, I'd be saying no to all the other people. And the opposite is true, right? Yeah. The smaller yeah. you go, the more clients you get niche wise. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and then there's also this, like, people want what they can't have. So like, if they resonate with you, but you only work with, you know, this type of person in this particular part of their life, struggling with this particular problem, but they're also struggling with that problem, but they don't fully hit the other characteristics. Mm -hmm. They're in a weird way. They almost more want to work with you. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think the niche thing is probably one of the biggest things that is a, a hurdle for people, right. Of, you know, they, they don't want to go narrow. Yeah. Um, yeah. so what happened when you focused in more on your niche, you said that it, it started to hit, it started to resonate. What happened business-wise with that? Um, well, um, like I mentioned, I've, I've invested heavily in my coaching in, in I've hired multiple coaches at various stages in, over the past three years. Um, and, uh, so it was in combination of niching down more and implementing, uh, you know, strategies and marketing, you know, just doing things that people that have been doing this for a while, like I just needed to take their guidance and just do it. Yeah. And marketing is something that like also scary. I don't know why, but for some reason also niching is scary. It's like doing all the things that make us successful are scary for some reason. Right. Yeah. I don't know why that is, but, um, when I, you know, and I, I view marketing now, I view it as a, it, it's a habitual rinse and repeat type of thing. It's not a, oh, well, I hope this works out or I hope that works out. It's like, if you do the same things enough over and over again, and they aren't completely ineffective, you will produce clients like that's, and, and then you tweak and refine from there, you know? Um, but so that habit of my my marketing habit, and I I, I kind of created a game, and I I call it the lighthouse game, and I could talk about it if you want. But uh, playing my game, which just became a part of my life eventually, and then having my message speak to a very particular audience, it was um, you know, it's like putting your thumb on the hose. You know, it's just all of a sudden you had this just jet stream, this powerful stream 
stream that resonated with my ideal clients and and I couldn't grow my I couldn't grow my business fast enough. I had to stop doing one-on-one coaching altogether because I had a two-month wait list of one-on-one clients and I kept raising my prices. Eventually I was charging $6,000 for 3 months of one-on-one coaching and I had, you know, a full roster of about 8 one-on-one clients and uh maybe four people more than that I think on a wait list. And I was like this is just getting crazy. I can't keep doing this and so um I started to look into uh group group coaching. So um that was uh the 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 journey uh, that was the power of niching down was that when i did that it struck such a powerful chord with my ideal audience my niche audience that they 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 had to have me and and just been seeing that more and just again rinse and repeat rinse and repeat i we're now growing i i feel like i said to my cuz i have a team of people that i work with now it's not just me i have a a, a coo i have a crew i have appointment setter i have appointment closers i don't even take all my sales calls now i have someone else do it um i take some of them but um we're now growing at a rate where we don't even need to market because that we've hit some sort of tipping point you know i, yeah. I feel like in the past couple of days actually we've we've really hit a tipping point that was really surprising yeah so one of the things, um, and, and I think that that, what you just mentioned, you have a team. So a lot of people are probably like, where I want to get to is having a team and hiring people and so on and so forth. But you also mentioned earlier, the idea of you've hired a lot of coaches and you've, you've worked with a lot of people. And I think that's another thing that I see as a very common thing with financial, um, with financial coaches is the idea of cutting spending leading over into cutting spending in your business. Right. Right. You know, one of the more common things you'll see is, Hey, do you have a free version of this? Right. Right. And free versions, they don't always work very well, but at the very least they take a heck of a lot longer for you to be able to, um, for you to be able to use them, right? So they they cost your time, right? Yeah. It doesn't sound like you had that problem of I don't want to spend on my business. It sounds like you are spending uh, aggressively on your business. So I, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, I heard someone say recently, and it just resonated, it was like, life's too short to learn from your mistakes. So learn from someone else's. Um, and I, you know, I will say I was in a position where I, um, I could tattoo Mm part-time and I owned a studio that earned some income, like beyond my own tattooing, but not a lot, you know, maybe a thousand bucks a month, sometimes more. Um, so not nothing, you know? Um, and so I was in a position where I could cut back on tattooing and it, and then use the money I made there and invest that into the business. And, um, sort of, I, I felt like, you know, two years ago I was 90% tattooing, 10% coaching. And now I'm actually hundred percent coaching there. I don't tattoo at all. I own the studio, but I, I don't have time to even do that. Uh, you know, um, and so, and being that I've participated in coaching programs my whole life, I know the power of it. I, 
was struggling. I knew I was a great coach. Like I just knew that about myself. I was struggling with marketing and getting myself out there. And then I'd hop on sales calls and I would just be weird. And it's like, no one's going to buy something from you when you're being so weird, no matter how good your product is. And um, so that, that was super helpful investing in that. And it was, there was a, you know, I, when I, when I invest in coaching, I am a gut oriented person. I'm a, I'm a gut oriented investor. I'm a gut oriented person in general in life. Cause if I think about it and you can see it on your sales calls and your discovery calls, uh, mm-hmm. where people, they, they want to work with you, but they're like the money and the thinking and the fear is like all they're making a decision from up here. They're not making a decision from, from here in their heart and in their gut. And I usually tell people sometimes on the call when they're when they're right on the fence there, I say, just check in with your gut. Like, what does your gut tell you about working with me? And so when I choose to work with uh, coaches, I I trust my gut. And um, and yeah, I found some really great people to to work with. I, I'd recommend them, you know, if anyone was interested. Uh, yeah. And how do you what would you recommend to someone who's at the early stages, right? Three years ago for you. Yeah. And worried about spending money on their business, is worried about spending money on maybe coaches, maybe programs, maybe software, you know, all of the different things that go into actually being able to build a business. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think that I think the conversation that I had to have with myself was, um, am I trying to be a financial coach or am I a financial coach now? And what do businesses do is they invest in themselves. If I'm trying to be, if I, if I, I don't, and I might say this and it might bother some people, but like, I don't believe in hope. Mm-hmm. I think hope is, uh, putting the responsibility outside myself, hoping that other things will fall into place so that the result I want to produce is becomes a reality. I make a decision and then I act from there. So I decided I am a financial coach. That's happening. I do not see a future where I don't have a successful financial coaching business. Like not, I just, it wasn't even an option for me. And then I made a decision from that place. If you're on the place where you're like, well, if this financial coaching thing works out, that would be great. And I hope it does, but it might not. And while I might just continue to do this thing that maybe isn't fully fulfilling me, uh, and then you try to make a decision as to whether or not you should invest in your financial coaching business from that place, you're going to have a really hard time doing it. And it won't be clear as to whether or not you're making the right decision. That Does that make sense? Is that is that yeah. helpful? Yeah. And I think that you know it's it's also important to push on people that are as you say, wanting to be rather than being right. A financial coach, you know, it, a lot of people will say, well, yeah, but that that's great. If you have a bunch of extra money, you did this during the pandemic when your primary source of income literally disappeared. Yeah. Right. Um, and you, so you know, the argument that, well, that's great if you're wealthy and have a bunch of extra money that you can throw at it. Um, 
that definitely did not apply to you, <laughs> right? No. Now, I, did I have savings? Yeah, I'm a financial coach. Yeah, of, of course, course yeah. I had savings. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, and I used a substantial amount of that savings. You know, that's that's what I did. Um, I went below my comfort zone in terms of my emergency savings. I did, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but my gut told me that the 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 first coach I worked with, his name's Greg Faxon. You can look him up, uh, F-A-X-O-N. Uh, you know, at the time, I don't know what his rates are now, but it was a it was a over five figure investment, you know, and um I yeah, it was definitely scary, but it was like, I, I had to check in. I can't picture a future where I'm not a financial coach and I don't have the skills, the marketing, the knowledge. I don't have a strong uh, system for uh, doing sales calls. And if I, I knew if I got the support doing that, if I got the world to see what I'm doing and then I could effectively enroll those people in working with me, it's only going one way, which is the way I wanted to go, you know? Um, so it was, it, it, from that standpoint, I, I, I've always had a, a way of thinking that simplifies things to like, what are the basic elements and if X, then Y, you know, so I don't need to worry about all these other variables that I can't control. I'm just going to worry about the few variables I can control. And I know that if I invest in myself, I will have a higher return than yeah. any other investment out there. Yeah. And I think that that's. You know, the, the phrase investing is so important, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things that I I talk about a lot is you can't view your financial coaching business as your budget, mm-hmm. right? The spending on your financial coaching business is not looking at your budget. It's looking at how much money you're contributing to your 401k, right? It's that idea of investing. Right. It is. It's a hundred percent an investment. Yeah. Um, so as you've gone through this and spent, uh, you know, the second you said five figure, right. Uh, people, when they kind of wrote that out and looked at the number, Oh, that's more than $10,000. Probably a lot of people that went, uh, Oh my God, that's more than I ever would uh, want to spend. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and that was just one program that you, Right, right. One coach that you worked with. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like you invested pretty heavily. Were there any investments that you, and you continue to invest heavily, right? You, yeah. you hired staff, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, are there any investments that you've made that were not great investments? And you don't have to go into the details of dragging someone through the mud, but just sort of. No, no, yeah. not at all. In all, in all honesty, no, like, no, there were no bad investments. Mm-hmm. If I had to do it all over again, I don't, it, it's really hard as, I mean, honestly, so like I did uh, like a financial coaching certification at first, which in many ways, like really gave me, if, if it did anything, it just it gave me an identity as a financial coach, Yeah, which was helpful, but I don't do any of the things that that financial coaching certification offered that I do. I don't do any of them. When I mean none of them, I mean zero of the things. And that structure worked for that business and it just didn't work for my business. So, but it but it did give me some, again, like this identity of like, okay, this is the things that a financial coach does. Like, like a lot of people do, you know, and I don't know what your model is, but you know, people do like a 15 minute 
check in, you know, quick call. And then they do like a $300, $200 discovery call. And then they see if they sign on. I don't do that. That's, I just do a free hour long call. That worked really well for me. That was advice I got from this first coach that, um, you know, uh, that I paid, I think it was, it was like 12,000 maybe, I think, uh, for the, for the, and then I ended up working with him more after that. So there was more that I invested. Um, and, uh, and it was for six months. It was like, you know, pretty decent amount. I, I felt like if I worked with this guy for six months, I don't know how I'm going to not end up having some, some benefit, you know, and how many clients would I need to sign up to get my investment back, you know, kind of thinking of it that way. Um, sorry, what was the, where I was on? Uh, that, was, that was good. Yeah. 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 Um, so Emily asked, what's your favorite maybe best, maybe not investment that you've made in your business so far? My favorite investment that I made in my business so far. And then after you answer, I'm going to have a guess. Personal assistant. I was going to say your COO, because that's the only person you listed, but hiring someone that took the time off of you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hired a, a, a part-time assistant before I hired the COO. I hired the COO when we started doing you know, multiple tens of thousands of dollars a month in revenue. And I was like, I've never managed this level of money in my life. Yeah. So the systems that I've built that help me manage money no longer apply. I've entered some new territory and we're now getting close to six figures a month in revenue. So I needed someone that knew how to manage that kind of money. And so I, I put a, um, I paid for an ad on LinkedIn looking mm-hmm. to hire a COO. And I had uh, so many applications and I had maybe like six phone calls. And then just, again, uh, the woman that I work with, my gut, I just trusted her. And she just had a really good energy. I've been working with her for like four months now, maybe more. And I was like, I just, she's an amazing member of the team. But but before that, it was like the personal assistant to take some of the time off. And if you're wondering, I had a really good advice on hiring a personal assistant. of your net income per month is what you can afford to invest in a personal assistant. That's a rough, a good rough gauge, you know? So if you're uh, netting, you know, five grand a month, like you can comfortably put, you know, $500 uh, a month into having someone help respond to emails or uh, do mark, you know, help with sifting through marketing or building spreadsheets and stuff like that. You know, I spend more than that. I spend a lot more than that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, uh, yeah, At the very a good rule of thumb, a good rule of thumb yeah. is like 10% is what I heard. And, um, yeah. Um, and then Maria asked, and after you answer, if you don't answer the way that I think you're going to answer, <laughs> then I'm going to give what my guess was of, of how you were going to answer. And I'll, and I'll say why, and then I'll let you respond to my thinking. Right. Okay. Uh, but Maria asked, would you consider coaching coaches? Um, I, I have considered it. Um, I have to say no to everything that comes. I'm, I have too many opportunities in my, in my life. And I'm really good. I, I've come to the conclusion that I have to say no to a lot of really great opportunities. So I have coached coaches. I I have a, I have a, a guy that, um, he actually reached out to me on Instagram because he is a personal trainer. And he wanted to be a financial coach for personal trainers. 
he was just questioning my process. And I said, yeah, we can, we can work together. I'll, I'll show you everything I do. I'll give you all my processes. I'll be a completely open door, literally everything from my contracts to my onboarding process, to my closing process, everything. Um, and we worked together for six months and he made back his investment within three months and it was awesome. And it was just so cool to see that, uh, that growth. And although I wish I could continue to do that at the moment, I, I have a, almost 150 people in the course that I currently run. So yeah. it takes up all my time, but maybe at some point in the future. Yeah. So this was my, where I was thinking you were going to answer it and you kind of answered it similarly, which is, um, I don't think it would make, I don't think it, anyone could pay you enough money that it would make financial sense for you. Right? That's, that's Yeah. That's right. what it is. That's really what it is. I can't even take on one-on-one coaching client period. It, I've right. thought about like what it would cost and it just like, wouldn't be worth the investment. It wouldn't be worth it to them. And it wouldn't be worth it to me. Yeah. Because you've got this, you've literally got this, you've built this money-making machine, right? Yeah. And why would you walk away from that in order to do this other thing, which would take probably pay you nowhere near as much relative to the time your right your your hourly rate for it and right. cost you an enormous amount of time because you're having to build something from scratch right and I, I think that's yeah. you know for other people that aren't in your shoes I think there's a really important lesson there which is don't distract yourself with things that seem shiny mm, I you I away from your focus. <laughs> And I had that a lot over the past couple of years. And then there was one opportunity. I was doing some consulting work with a venture capital company that for a wholly un unrelated thing. Um, and they were paying me very well. And I, at some point I said, I had to say, guys, I can't continue to work with you because I need to make my financial coaching dream a reality. This is not going to, you know, and they were offering me more money. And I said, I can't, I absolutely can't do it. And I, I turned down and it, you know, not an enormous amount of money, but a very, you know, oh, yeah. sizable yeah. amount. And I, I realized I just, and even now in my program, uh, I, there's been a lot of pressure to offer a lower tier offer. Uh, my coaching course is either $5,500 on a payment plan or $4,500 one-time payment. Uh, and I want to create a lower tier thing, but my coach who's working with me, he's like, until you're clearing well over six figures a month, you should just focus on one offer and just make that offer so good and keep improving on it so that it's just, you know, the best offer it could possibly be. And then come with your lower tier and your higher tier, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one thing that a lot of people, you look at Coca-Cola, right? And Coca-Cola has a lot of different products for all sorts of different people. So do most companies and they think, oh, well, that's what I should do in my business. Right. It's have a lot of different products for a lot of different people. Right. Right. Not realizing that Coca-Cola has 28,000 employees. Well, that's probably low, probably a couple hundred thousand employees, right. not including all the distributors and everyone else. So yeah, they can totally do that. <laughs> right. But what did they do? They got really good with the one thing that they do really well. And, and they, they added so that everyone <laughs> wants that. 
and then you can kind of create the offshoots. But and the, I don't know if you ever, are you do you know Alex Ramosi? Uh, he's got a podcast, uh, entrepreneur. R- highly recommend if anyone's looking to become a millionaire. <laughs> Alex Ramosi podcast. He's, he's got a, also a book for every coach should read this book. It's called $100 million offer. How to create an offer that's so good you'd feel stupid turning it down. That's the name of the book. And it delivers. This book is so good. And um, he his whole thing is like, it, as an entrepreneur, we want to create, we want to do something new. We want to, you know, and it's the hardest challenge is to focus on the one thing and keep doing it over and over again and keep repeating it over. It's one of the hardest challenges as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially when you have things like, oh, could you coach me or, oh, could you do this? And you end up in a situation where, you know, your your mental focus is so limited and it's not like splitting it in half, cuts it in half for each side. It, it, no, it it's, fractures it. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, and so looking in the opposite direction, as you focus in on fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer things, you have this exponential return of, you know, going from 10 things to nine things isn't a 10% increase. It's like a 40% yeah. increase. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, uh, we are both at time because we have client meetings that we both have to get to. Yeah. <laughs> I have a prospect <laughs> meeting and you have a meeting. So um, it was great talking with you, Ryan. And we'll, uh, you know, uh, I I wish you continued success. And uh, I encourage you continue to do what you're doing, investing in your business and staying focused because obviously. (laughs) Thank you. And and I'd be happy to come on again and and chat sometime. Uh, That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I want, I, I, as much as I, can't coach. I want to support coaches. I yep. want to, you know, help them build financial stability because I can't help every niche out there. Right. There's you right. all have your niches that you can help. And my mission is to help all human beings on the planet, you know, relieve themselves of the burden of money. And one of the ways I can do that is by offering, you know, any support or guidance. So ask questions on the platform. I'd be happy to answer them and uh, I'd love to come back sometime. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll, We'll probably have you, oh, no, probably. We definitely will have you in uh, launch and in grow for some cool sessions in there too. That would be awesome. Very cool. Looking forward to it. Talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Uh, It also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well. If you're ready to take the next step and build your successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with clients effectively, and run your business efficiently. Head to Financial Coaches Network backslash start here or Financial Coaches Network backslash stall if you're Sean Connery. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast.